It's a hybrid edition of the Seco Sports Forum today. We're back in the studio. Sam, first time you've been back in the studio. I, I, I feel maskless. I, I don't know how. I, don't, I know. I don't know how. I don't know how to how to talk without this. <laughs> well, I got one in my pocket if you want it. <laughs> well, it's nice to be back in the studio. Uh, the coach was with us the last edition, and uh, he couldn't be with us today, so we're doing a hybrid version. We got on Zoom. Roger Brown of the Union Leader and New Hampshire Hardball and also NewHampshireFootballReport.com. Well, let's, uh, let's start off with it's spring sports are underway. All the tryouts are over with. And uh, let's go with baseball first, you think, guys? You want to do baseball? Okay. All right. Um, what do you, what, what's the latest from the Blue Hawk Nation? Yeah, they're playing well. You know, the Seacoast teams in Division One are all strong right now. Winnicott and uh, Portsmouth, you know, certainly Exeter's got very good and deep starting pitching or pitching in general. So I would expect them to be in, you know, most games this year, if not win, not win them. What do you, what do you expect to be their uh, toughest matchup this year? Uh, Winnicott at Portsmouth? Yeah, those two and probably Pinkerton. You know, division one's always tough because everybody's got that number one starter. So even if their record is 500, they've usually won the majority of those games with their ace on the mound. You know, it's, you're a different team. It's unlike other sports. Uh, but I, I think the best teams are, you know, going to be Winnicott, Portsmouth, uh, and Pinkerton. You know, with Exeter probably in that next tier, trying to trying to move into that top group. Seems like Roger, the uh, one of the stories on the Seacoast seems to be Winnicott pitcher Joe Allen, uh, who's mm. been recruited by the University of Michigan. Right. Uh, and uh, wouldn't that be a nice setup if would, uh, if Allen would be pitching against the Blue Hawks when they meet uh, in Hampton on May sixth? Definitely a guy. I think local fans may want to go get a look at, you know, could be a high draft, a high drafted player as well. Um, somebody, kid from Keene, young kid from Keene hit a two run homer against them when they played. So, uh, you know, but Joe rebounded and I think got the win that game. But yeah, he's definitely, you know, if you can make it to a, to a game on a decent day, you know, you may want to get out and uh, take a peek at him because he's a very accomplished pitcher already heading into his senior year. and. Um, you know, expect big things from him. You know, he's probably, you know, at the high school level, him and uh, the kid from Pinkerton, Liam Doyle, are considered to be probably the two best pitchers in the state, I would say. Now, we were up there for the tryouts, uh, Coach Taylor and yours truly. Uh, at that point, obviously, the teams hadn't been decided who was going to be on. Uh, Roger, do you know uh, some of the, the, the uh, guys that they're going to be poking their Hooking their saddle to on the on this team this year, the pitching especially. Who's that? Exeter's term? You're talking Exeter? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, they got a pitcher named Zach Ferris who's got two of their wins. He threw a complete game shutout against uh, Londonderry on Monday. You know, then there's Parker Lendrum who'll be another very good pitcher. Play shortstop when he's not on the mound. Uh, Jake Weiberg, center fielder, pitcher. You know, those guys are all, you know, probably their top three guys in their rotation. And, you know, they're all very good. So it gives them three really good pitchers right there. Plus, you know, I'm sure they got more beyond that. But those, those are three guys I think will provide a lot of the leadership. Um, and, you know, guys they'll probably rely on to a large degree this season. Now, there, uh, is there another Cody Morissette somewhere on the team? Oh, I don't know about that, but there's, you know, now that you mentioned that, there's, I saw this kid, he's not in the Seacoast, but 
kid, uh, Nolan Colby from Sauhegan, and I wrote that he's very uh, similar to Cody in a lot of ways and that he's versatile infielder, plays a lot of positions, and he's getting recruited by BC. He's only a sophomore, but the BC head coach was out to see him twice last week. And, you know, he hits like Cody, too. You know, very, very good hitter. Hits for a lot of power, you know, a lot of uh, extra base hits. Uh, so whether or not there's one on Exeter, you know, I'm not sure, but uh, we got something close to him down in Amherst for sure. Now, Cody and uh, the New Hampshire contingent, a lot of those guys that are uh, in the pros now are playing in the Midwest <laughs> League. Uh, Cody's with Beloit. Um, hear any, what's going on out there with those guys? You know, I, I haven't kept track of really many of them other than, you know, try and keep tabs on Cody and Grant Levine because they were high draft picks. But I know Cody was, you know, he hit a home run the other day, ended a, I think it was his first hit of the season, if I'm not mistaken. And he went three for four, a couple extra base hits. So, you know, uh, maybe that'll get him going. Um, but uh, other than that, no, I haven't, you know, I don't get out to, follow the Midwest League very much, unfortunately. Because uh, it's a little laid back out there. Beloit, Wisconsin. And they're the, what? What, what, what? What's the team's name? The Beloit? They changed names. They used to be, I, I can remember what they used to be, but I don't know what. what uh, if you can remember what they used to be, you are a the, real Beloit Yeah, the fan. Snappers. They used to be the Beloit <laughs> Snappers way back. Fisher Cats. What's the deal on the Fisher Cats, Raj, before we jump out of baseball? I got to see them, uh, I think it was last, their home opener. Um, you know, a little early to really know who's what at this point, but you know, they look like they're they'll be a team that's um, you know, a lot of their higher prospects have you know moved on, but they look like a team that'll have some pretty good pitching. One of their pitchers already got called up to triple A here earlier this week. Um, so you know, another good year. They're, they're always a good bargain, you know, the price for minor league baseball, it's a good time. Um so we'll just have to see how the season, you, you never know with all the shifting of players coming up, you know, moving down. And uh, I saw him play Hartford. I mentioned Grant Levine, and that could be his next stop. The kid out of Bedford who got drafted a couple of years ago, you know, uh, he's with the Colorado organization and Hartford's their double A team. So he could be, you know, back uh, in the Eastern League here soon if he has a good start in uh, A-ball. Seeing if they get another uh, setup like they did uh, a couple of seasons ago with Vladdy Guerrero Jr., Bo Bichette, and uh, who am I leaving, leaving out? I'm missing. There was a third. Uh, who's the other? Son. Son. Bijou. Oh. Bijou. Thank Bijou. you. Thank you. Bijou. Yeah. <laughs> and and they're doing well in the in the majors now. So time to reload for the Fisher Cats. Not a spring sport, but a spring event. UNH's spring football game. Uh, the tune-up. Uh, Let's everybody see what the new Rick Santos team will look yes. like in the fall. Uh, some of the components. Your impression, and Roger. Uh, well, let's. Do you want to, Roger? Let's to go start with first? Roger. All right, Roger. Your impression of what you saw at UNH Wildcat Stadium. Well, I thought Dylan Lobby, their running back, looked good, which is important because I think he'll be their focal point of their offense this year, and you know, carry a heavy load in most games on that side of the ball. Outside of that, I didn't really have much many takeaways only because you know they were down two quarterbacks they were down to the third string uh or number three guy on the depth chart at least heading into last year he was number three 
and it was rainy. So it was tough. You know, the offenses were not at full strength, and consequently, I'm not sure how much you can uh, judge the defenses when they're not facing, you know, the top guys. So um, Dylan Lobby was the number one takeaway for me. Um, you know, there's a lot of New Hampshire kids on the roster right now. I don't know how many of them will still be there in the fall, but it was uh, kind of surprising to me to see some of the names that are suiting up for them um, that are, you know, kids that played high school ball here. So, um, but, you know, like you said, it's almost an entirely new coaching staff, not just the head coach. Most of the assistants are new as well. So should be some interesting uh you know, takeaways early in the season to see how they do things, what's different and whatnot. I, I, the one takeaway I had was that the, the scrimmage was very efficient. It, there wasn't any playing around. They went out 7 o'clock, bang, bang, bang. They played four quarters, uh, the last two running time. But it was just, let's go out there, give the guys a chance to show what they've got. We saw a few people, new kids on the block, uh, whether they'll be there in the fall, like you say, Raj, we'll, we'll find out. But uh, takeaways from yeah, well, I, I thought uh, for uh, a debut for Rick Santos and the Wildcats, uh, certainly in games like this, you do not want to show a lot. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you don't want Monmouth on September 1st to come away with any indications of what you're going to be doing. But there's a couple of things that I saw. Two or three times they had three wideouts. Mm-hmm. Very rarely in the Coach Mack days did we see three wideouts. True. The other thing that I noticed is that off- on the offensive side of the ball, the quarterbacks moved out of the pocket. And that's what Rick Santos did when he was playing for the Wildcats. Mm-hmm. So there seems to be a little bit more action, a little bit more movement, a little bit more um, spreading the field open. Mm-hmm. So just on a few plays, as Roger said, you didn't see a lot. Um, and you saw some flashes of some younger players doing uh, quite well. Uh, I, th- I agree with Roger that uh, Dylan Lauby looked very good. And I like Brody McAdam, McAndrew. I thought he did a very nice job. Yeah. And uh, so I think there are some, some things to take away. So, you know, we'll be looking forward to September 1st, Monmouth. That's a 7 o'clock game. Yeah. It's going to be on television. Yeah. And so uh, uh, r- as soon as you turn the calendar from August to September, oh, the Wildcats are going to be there. It'll be here before you know it. All right. The uh, one running back that uh, got a lot of exposure, what was his name? Pereira. Pereira. Pereira, Pereira was the Pereira. second running back. Is he in New Hampshire? Do you know much about him, Raj? I don't think he's played much at UNH during his time there, but he, he stood out early, a couple of early series, I thought, as well. Yeah, I do know what you're talking Player about. Player like, like, like us, Roger, if we were running backs, you know, 5'10", 230, you know? Kind of like us. Yeah, fire plugs. Yeah. <laughs> if they gave us, if they gave us the ball, that's what it looked. What it looked like. <laughs> They're chasing me. I'd run a little faster than I probably would otherwise. But yeah, yeah, he, yeah he's you know he, big thick kid. You know. Um, I was impressed. Again, they, you know, the other thing I will agree with Sam that I, I think Brody McAndrew, probably benefited from all the extra snaps. Mm-hmm. He's taken because the other two quarterbacks are on the mend. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he did look pretty good, you know, uh, relatively speaking. Um, so that's, a, that's something that may benefit him, you know, in the long run for sure. And, you know, what you didn't see a lot of it, but, you know, he, it still stands out whenever you see a quarterback under center. They were under center for a few plays, you know, in the scrimmage, which I thought was it's, that's just so rare to see that it stands out these days, you know. Um, Team's not in the shotgun. 
Yeah, well, one other thing I was going to ask you, Roger, uh, and I don't know if you've heard anything or, or you know, discussed it with Coach Santos. Do you see a situational quarterback uh, scenario coming up in the fall where they'd have the running quarterback and the, and the uh, guy that's going to be throwing downfield? You know, it's a good question, Sherm. I, you know, I, I think they'll play the guy who gives them the best chance to win. And in the past, they've okay. used two guys uh, in the same game. So if they feel that gives them an edge, uh, I, I don't see why they wouldn't. You know, um, I don't know. I haven't been given any indication that that's what they're leaning towards. You know, it's such an uncertain position right now with, you know, the two the two QBs coming off of surgery. Um, they're not, not, you know, not even healthy. So they may not even know what their plan is at that position at this point. But I wouldn't rule anything out, you know. Uh, as you guys know, the offense really, really struggled last year. So they got to do whatever it takes to find the end zone. And if that means, you know, multiple quarterbacks in the same – game or same series so be it right i think it'll work as as it, it, it worked for dartmouth when they played us last year they they, uh, they had that down to a science and they uh, kept us on our toes the defense on it on its toes so we shall see it'll be interesting when uh, now when, when is the official uh, press day is that coming up in uh, late august have you got that on tell your you, sure. yeah they, i don't even think they've announced that yet yeah. so um, That'll be interesting. That we'll, we'll like do the it. first uh, first day of practice, first or second day of practice. Because like we'll do a road trip. That that'll be a road trip. We'll do a show from the press we'll, box. Yeah, that'd be fun. Do it, cool. or, or right from the field. Right from the field. Hey, we can do it like like the big boys do. Have a table out on the field, you know, <laughs> and maybe Jamie Staten can come over, and and Mike Murphy can have a, a football throwing contest or whatever he does with Jamie every year. <laughs> I have to do about that. To do is feed me. <laughs> Before we change from football, I just want to bring up. The debut of the USFL. <laughs> uh, Roger and I had already kicked it around. Sam, did you watch it? And what's your takeaway from it? 15 seconds, and that was it. Wow. That was it. Not, wow. much, not much at all. Wow. Not much at all. Good. Uh, I, really, I really couldn't tell you the difference between stallions and stars, and all I know is everything <laughs> is in Alabama. That's the only thing I know. I was confused that two networks had it. I knew <laughs> they were going to spread it out over all these like sub-networks like I, Peacock I, and I'm just whatever. Wa I'm just waiting for the, the XFL with The Rock. So I, well, that's, that's another <laughs> year away, and that may fold before it starts. I think The Rock might think about it and say, do I really want to waste my money on this? Um, but back to the USFL with you, Roger. You, you were a fan of the old USFL, the, the Doug Flutie days. Uh, what about the, sure. what you know? What about this one? Did you catch any of the action? And what was your takeaway? I saw the first game. I think it was the first game, or maybe the second, the Birmingham game where they scored late. It was it was a good game. It was more of a college style game uh, than an NFL game, which I prefer. I don't like just dropping back, passing forty times a game. Uh, so they had some quarterback runs designed out there, and I thought the play. It wasn't like the old USFL in terms of level of play, but it certainly wasn't the XFL, it didn't look like to me. So when you take into consideration they only had a couple of weeks to get things together, um, you know, it was a decent product. You know, got to get better, I'm sure. But if they could put something on the field like they did in the original league, you know, the more football the better as far as I'm concerned, you know. Now, the, the uh, European League they had a few years back, that was like a farm system for the, for the NFL. Uh, the USFL has no connection with the NFL. They're, they're not trying to have it as like a spring training for the, for the pros. Or, I mean, not the pros, but for the NFL. This is strictly two separate entities, correct? 
far as I know, yeah, sure. Okay. I'm sure the NFL guys are taking a look at, you know, teams and their rosters to see if they got anybody there that will help them. But uh, I don't think there's any affiliation that I'm aware of. I, I think the gimmick, the only thing I didn't like is the gimmicks that they were, and obviously it's opening night and they want to show off, and they had the, the, the sideline reporter going up to the coach, and he was interviewing the players. He was, at one point, he was interviewing the two quarterbacks for uh, the Jersey Generals, and uh, they're trying to study their iPads with the plays, and he's, you know, doing, hey, what do you think, and blah, 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 blah. And one guy was being polite, and the other guy, forget it, he just shut him off. I mean, it's like, uh we're, we're working here, you know, and uh, the other guy wanted his time on the on the TV. But the the thing that got me was they had the coach uh, mic'd up yep. for a whole series of plays, okay. and it you know it's like you know okay uh, three right boomer three right boomer you know and, yeah. and it seemed like that was the only play he kept calling. Right. And the quarterback and, and uh, Jer Jersey Generals have that situational deal where they have the running quarterback and then. The passing quarterback okay. so <laughs> the running guy he was like the coach could have called anything he was going to go he, boom he, he, he had the running. ball he was running if he saw a hole he was there right. and the and the guy who was the passing quarterback you know obviously he was the more controlled I, don't, I think i think every whether you're an offensive lineman or an end you're not listening to the whole play call yeah. you're just listening to part of it you just need to know one thing yeah. on that whole thing yeah. that he states i mean going back that, to the ipad gonna, thing that's going to be your job yeah to do that yeah. so uh, it's not as complicated for the players as probably for Correct. the quarterback to call it I did want to mention that Roger you're going to be uh, interviewing uh, Ryan Griffin uh, who had played for the Jets and now he's with the Chicago Bears that'll be uh, an interview you'll be having what for the union leader or for New Hampshire uh, football report I'm doing that for the union leader sure so, okay. uh, I couldn't tell you where it's going to run just yet but uh, hoping to speak with him you know have a story up soon so you know he's Got a legendary you. guy Got a scholarship to UNH, played at UConn, you know, most of his career was with Houston, but uh, he's bounced around here three years with the Jets and he signed a one-year deal with the Bears. So, you know, good for him, local guy, doing well. Yeah, the Bears are a team that can always use some help. So they certainly can. Roger, how about telling us a little bit of what's happening on your websites? Thanks for bringing that up, Sam. The, uh, the baseball site is uh, going gangbusters now with the high school season, you know, in full swing and trying to keep tabs. There was some stuff on Cody there the other day, Cody Morissette. Um, so between the high school stuff, the Fisher Cats, and, and doing what I can to track down and follow our local guys in college, there's a good amount of content up there. And I just, you know, most of it's free. Uh, there are subscriptions for guys who want to support the site and get some extra content. And I thank everybody who's helped, uh, you know, promote the site and make the site possible by purchasing a subscription. And I uh, look forward to bringing you more coverage until the end of the baseball season. And football will be coming up soon enough. And then that's NewHampshireFootballReport.com. So people can check up and keep, uh, keep tabs of what's going on. And then you have clinics and things like that that you, on the football website that you mentioned, right? There are two two camps in the area this year, one at Portsmouth High School uh, in May for quarterbacks and receivers, May 14th, I think it is. And then we're going to have a lineman camp at Exeter High School on, I think it's uh, June 9th. Um, have to check the date on that one, but it's going to be right here in, in town at Exeter. And, you know, figured the lineman camp made sense at Exeter, you know. I know you're a Dodger fan, Roger, so... But you, you got to admit, the Red Sox are our home team, even though you bleed Dodger blue. 
what's your takeaway on what you've seen so far? Uh, number one impression for the Red Sox is where did they find the back end of the bullpen? Has been pitching great. So I can't, can't have any complaints with that right now. Uh, not a lot of hitting in baseball right now in the cold mm -hmm. weather, so that's not going to be happening. But uh, just what Alex Cora has done now with the back of the bullpen of uh, Robles and Diekman and Whitlock, uh, you know, mm -hmm. you feel pretty good uh, when you get to that point, especially with Whitlock. Boy, they signed him to an, ex an extended contract <laughs> at real uh, team favorable money. Uh, yeah. he's, a, he's a gem. Any surprise, though, that they have not had any luck with either Xander Bogarts or with uh, Raffi? No, no, not at all. And so Extensions. that's going to be a story all year long for those two yeah. guys. Uh, luckily, I thought Xander got off to a real slow start. I thought it was a distraction for him. But over the last three or four games, he started to hit a little bit right now. Well, Dodgers, uh, for you, Roger, the Dodgers could always use a third baseman. So if uh, Raffi doesn't sign with the Red Sox... They like to spend money, right? They do, but they got two good ones. They got a good guy there now, and they got a young one that'll ready to replace them. So, you know, we we need better athletes in the National League. Sure, we can't have those, you know, guys that can't move playing third. You know, we can't just be a hitter over there. You got to be an all-around ball player. The other playoff teams, uh, well, the Bruins and the Celtics. Any. Uh, Feelings on those two well, teams. nice of Marcus Smart to win Defensive Player of the Year. I thought that was quite impressive on for his part. Um, the the Kyrie Irving saga mm. is the story of the first round with the Brooklyn Nets. You know this whole thing with the fans and everybody hates them and everybody hates me and it's me against the world mm. and all of this stuff. Uh, I think the Bruins are, are certainly a playoff bound team. With the hockey that I've watched this year, it's going to be tough to beat teams like Florida and the. Colorado Avalanche. I think those two teams are head and shoulders above everybody else. But uh, the Bruins will make a run as they usually do. What about you, Raj? Take on, on any of the other teams? Uh, I just agree with Sam with the Bruins. You know, they, they're going to need good goaltending like everybody does in the playoffs. And um, frankly, I've, I've just kind of given up on the NBA, you know, other than following news clips of it. I just, I have no interest in watching like this Kyrie Irving type diva stuff turns me off to the league so i don't root against the celtics but i just don't follow it like i once did you know back in the day mm -hmm. so uh i'm the wrong guy to turn to for the nba i can't stomach that stuff it's too long I, i'm just going to college guy. i'm just going to go along with roger there for a second because it seems like the nba right now is just full of what i call shenanigans mm -hmm. okay i mean it's either Guys are so concerned about after they hit a three-pointer what their displays are going to be or how they're going to turn and how they're going to show their three-point signal or something like that. Mm -hmm. And does everybody have to complain on every single call that a referee makes? Okay? <laughs> Every single call. Now, don't get me wrong. I think there are too many foul calls in the NBA. I think they call it much too tight, uh, especially the offensive fouls. Everybody's complaining. It's either the players complaining, the coaches complaining. You just got to look at their complain face all the time. I mean, no one just wants to play anymore. Mm. What about the, the marathon, Patriots Day in the marathon? Did either of you gentlemen watch any of that at all or? I certainly watched a lot of it. I watched, uh, I watched all the uh, winners come across the finish line. They had a great day for it. I mean, the weather makes such a difference. And certainly the marathon is much more enjoyable now with the technology that they have. Drones. You've got the drones, you've yeah. got all those things. Kind of cool. So, uh, I mean, uh, being able to get close-ups of the runners' faces yeah. 
when they're coming in uh, is certainly impressive. I, I was going to say, if anybody listening to the podcast was involved in the marathon, get in touch with me. Probably the easiest one is Shermchester Gmail, because uh, we'd love to have you on. We'd love to do another running show, get our friend Steve Burris and uh, get our producer Bob Glowacki here to the table and uh, talk uh, running. And, uh, you know, it's just uh, it's an interesting sport. And all those guys and gals are doing their personal best. I was disappointed. Jamie Staten was down there, but he wasn't in the race. Come on, Jamie, get in there. Uh, Andrew Vries, their uh, boss, was in it. And uh, a couple of people, I guess the news director was uh, in the race. And uh, it's, a lot of them do it for charity, which is a great, great thing. That's the well, best just, part. Just well, just for some old guy radio stuff mm-hmm. I'll bring up here. Okay. Uh, back, in the, back in the early 80s, there was a, uh, a, five, a big 5K in Portsmouth that was going on. Mm-hmm. We did a radio show on W, a live radio remote on WBBX with that. And my color commentator was Tony Rivas. And Tony is still around 40 wow. years, 40 years wow. later. And it was enjoyable listening to him on the broadcast on WBZ yeah, the other day. That was day. cool. That was so, cool. Uh, I, I miss Johnny Kelly and Bill Rogers and those guys <laughs> in the race. But hey, you know, Roger's got to leave us to do that interview. But okay. before you do, Roger, anything for the two-minute drill? Every, this time every year, you got high school coaches seem like to be complaining more and more about their players leaving the team for April vacation. Uh, this is something, you know, I was in high school 100 years ago, as you guys were, but we never even considered leaving the team for vacation. I mean, that was not even on the table. Um, and I just think, you know, it's, I guess it's the way of the world today, but, you know, you, you join the team, you commit to the team, you know, you don't leave. Can you imagine Bill Ball's quarterback saying, oh, no, coach, I can't be here Saturday. I'm going away for the weekend. I mean, it just doesn't happen. And I just think parents need to do a better job of uh, teaching their kids the definition of the word commitment, you know. And uh, if you're on a varsity team and they got games in April, I mean, you that should be your first uh, priority, I believe. You know, I a couple of years ago there was a Seacoast softball team I know lost every catcher in the organization in the program, not just varsity, but every catcher. They couldn't bring anybody up. So they had to cancel all their games in April because everybody was on vacation. And, you know, you got all your years prior to high school and after and even during the year to take vacation. Uh, Just amazes me about how many people go away uh, during April. I think that's something we got to get away from. Well, that's that's a whole another show, uh, the situation of high school versus club sports. And mm. if you commit to AAU teams or things like that, mm. and they have a tournament on yeah. a weekend, and you've got a playoff game, and players take off for that that tournament, yeah. I've been um, in that situation too, Sam. Yeah, it's it's just a lack of commitment. You know, I don't think they just understand the uh, you know the meaning of the word, and and uh, they don't follow through sometimes. You know, so just not not something that I'm in favor of, for whatever it's worth. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Thank you for joining us today, uh, Roger Brown from the Union Leader, New Hampshire Hardball, and NewHampshireFootballReport.com. We'll, uh, we'll be touching base with you soon. Well, now let's do our two-minute drill. I'll, oh, let, okay. you, I'll, let, you, I'll let you take off. First. I have maybe a little bit longer than two minutes, so you're going, to have, to, you're going to have to let me do that. Okay. Here. But there was an article in uh, the Worcester Telegram and Gazette, and I'm going to give credit to Joe McDonald, who was the reporter from the Worcester Telegram, 
and Gazette. And the, the title of the article says, Wu Sox players and coaches react to rules. Now, this is something we're going to have to watch all season long because right. in the AAA right now, they are going with the pitch clock. Pitch clock right. They are going with the rules of stepping out of the batter's box, uh, batters having only so many times right. they could call timeout, things like that. And the umpires are starting to actually call it now. First time that this happened, they didn't call it all the time. Mm -hmm. But now they were strict to it. And, and when I read this article, I said amen to that because... During the first two weeks of the season, the Worcester games have averaged two hours and 39 minutes. Wow. They've cut 20 minutes cool. off the time of the baseball game by enforcing the pitch clock. Okay? And in the first, in the first five games for the uh, Woo Sox, there were nine violations. Check that. There were nine violations in three games. And again, that 20 minutes is significant, and I think it, they can do even better than that. Um, for Darwinson Hernandez, who we've saw, seen mm -hmm. for the Red Sox pitch, right. is now with the Woo Sox right now, he was able to strike out the side on eight pitches <laughs> because he got two violations called on strikes. Well, so he had an immaculate inning with eight pitches well. because the batter stepped out of the box twice during that time, and the umpire called a strike on him. So those are the things. That's the future of baseball that we're going to see right now. Now, there was also um, uh, Tristan Cassis was at the plate, who's a fine product yep, for the Red Sox. He'll, he'll be playing first base sometime for the Red Sox coming up. Uh, it says here he crushed two balls, pulling both foul, and... They were clearly, and he was clearly dialed in during this at-bat. I'm reading from the article. However, the pitcher was given a violation, which resulted in an automatic ball giving Cassis a free pass. Now, here's the debate. Do you want him walked, mm. or are you paying money to see him swing the bat? Okay? Right. So, oh. here's the, you know... Would you, oh, come on, he's going to walk again. Do you want to see another walk? Right. No. Do you want to see another strikeout? No. But do you want the game to move faster? Mm -hmm. This is really going to be a push and pull all season long. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I wanted him to swing right there, I and mean, I think the fans probably did too, said the manager. Pitchers hate the pitch clock. They have universally said we hate it. Players love it. The fielders love it because the game is moving. Flowing, it's going yeah. back and forth. Flowing. It's getting that way. So, um, you know, again, for example, one rule that they, they did the other day is if a pitcher steps off the rubber twice, it's a balk. The runners are going to move up like twice, going to move off. I like that. Um, during each plate appearance, a batter shall be allowed to request time only once. You can only take a couple of practice swings before you get into the box the first time. Mm -hmm. You can't step out and take other practice yeah. swings. You can't do that. Pitchers, right now, you have 14 to 19 seconds to throw a pitch. Pitchers are saying, we, like, we can go along with the pitch clock, but it's got to be longer. We've got to go 20 to 25 right. seconds. So there's still some feedback. There's going to be a lot of work going back on this. But just the fact that in the first week of baseball, an average game at 239, yeah. it works. Yeah. It works. I was watching Whitlock the other day, Garrett yep. Whitlock, and, and I was kind of just timing him with my watch. And 20 seconds is about right. He's an efficient pitcher. He doesn't waste time. I like, I like his delivery. You know, he's got a classic pitcher's delivery. Not one of these out of control, throwing from ball ends and whatever. And the other thing... Um, 
well, some of those things you just mentioned that they, they can be done. It just and oh, I know Mark Garcia Perro really. I go back to him <laughs> with the gloves yeah, and the tapping you, you the have toes. To, you he have started to, that stuff. Once you enforce, ago. once you enforce it, and the players know the rules, you know, they're yeah. going to adjust. Yeah, the only thing that the players haven't adjusted to, the batters haven't adjusted to, is the shift. And that drives me wild. Mm. They're not going to change their swing for anything. True. You can put four guys, you could put four outfielders against Rafi Devers. He's not going to, he'll change his swing. He'll go to left he'll field. Go, yeah, he'll go opposite. Majority of players are still not doing that. Yeah. And, you know, there's still a lot of those tweaks that are out there, like now, like making the bases bigger um, and those types of rule changes right now. You know, that might be going too far. You know, baseball is trying to add more offense. They want to put more balls in play. Right. But on the other hand, you can remember when Colorado Rockies used to put the baseballs in a humidor. <laughs> right. Okay, so that, up, yeah. so that there'd be more humidity in yeah. the baseball so that they wouldn't fly as back and right. every pitch wouldn't go out of the ballpark. Yeah. Do you know that every team right now uses the humidor? I did not. All the bases, oh, uh, all the baseball teams use the humidor right now. Oh, that's funny. So, out of out of hundreds of games that have a couple of hundred games that have been played so far, mm -hmm. almost all of those teams, and I don't want to bring betting into this, but almost all of those games have gone under the run total that's been predicted okay. for the game because the baseballs are being deadened in the humidor. See now. So that was, is that been adopted by MLB or is that just something the all teams know, are all, all just All I know is that everybody puts the ball, put their baseballs in a humidor before the game starts. Now I remember the old days when the umpires had to take a box or two or five or whatever boxes of balls and rub them up with that mud, that special mud yeah, from right. wherever yeah. it comes from. You know. yeah. This is not over yet. Again, yeah. one of the things in the collective bargaining agreement is that committees are going to look at these stats during the season this year yeah. to come up with recommendations. So it's not over yet. I, I you know, I, I see change necessary because the, the, the people watching the games, including our age group, right. our attention span drifts. As we get older, <laughs> it drifts. I mean, I can sit there, I, I love watching, it drives my, my wife nuts, but uh, for MLB uh, extra innings, uh, with the, I have direct TV, yeah. and they give you what they call the mosaic. So yeah. you've got eight, ten sure. games going at the same time, right. which is fun only because you can go from a dead game to a game that's got some action going sure. on it. exactly. So they do the same thing for NFL uh, on the weekends, yeah. uh, Sunday ticket, and, and it, it makes it more fun to watch because you don't have that dead game. And, and like we were talking with Dave O'Brien a few weeks ago, you know, you've got games that just, you know, he's probably ready to you know, right. get in his car and go home because he knows it's over. But sure. that's where having a, a Jerry Remy, or, or in this case, Dennis Eckersley yeah. now, somebody that can kind of bring a little life to the game, you know, something to keep, keep me going there, you know, <laughs> keep me awake here, you know, something. My two minute drill, you, you have HBO, right? Um, no. You don't? Oh, I, I thought you did. I do not. I do not. But what should I watch? Well, well if you do get HBO, <laughs> if they give you a free weekend. That's what okay? I want to watch. One of those HBO free weekends, uh, HBO Max, or I think it's on both, uh, it's called Winning Time, The Rise of the Lakers <laughs> Dynasty. Okay. It's based on Magic Johnson's book, Showtime, and it's very loosely based on it. Okay. Um, it, it's produced by the guy who does the... Uh, movies with Will Ferrell. He's done Talladega Nights. Adam McKay is the guy's okay. name. It, it's not funny. It's not meant to be a comedy. It, but it, it, it's, it's a, a caricature of the Lakers 
and the the players, right. the Showtime being obviously Magic Johnson in that era when Jerry Buss Mid bought 80s. the team. Well, the seventies or the late seventies when he bought the team, Doctor Buss, Jerry okay. Buss, and you know he, he basically didn't have two nickels to rub together. I mean, he had leveraged everything he had. Yeah. But he somehow finagled the bagel and got the forum, and then the team started to come together. Yeah. What, what I don't like about it is this takes a lot of, uh, <laughs> and, and it's got name brand stars in it. Uh, Adrian Brody plays, uh, uh, not Jerry West, he plays uh, Pat Riley, and uh, Jason Siegel plays uh, Paul Westfall. There's different, different. Isn't John C. Riley in it? John too? C. Riley plays Dr. Bus. Yeah. Okay. He, he he wasn't supposed to be the original. Somebody bailed out. Oh, he yeah. took it over, but he does a nice job. Right. But again, they're caricatures. Yeah. The the kid that plays Magic Johnson and the fellow that plays uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, new kids on the block, acting wise, doing a nice job. Is Larry Bird in it? Well, that, I just got up to the recent episode is oh. the Bird Magic era oh, where okay. it's just starting. Okay, and the kid they got. I don't know who he is. <laughs> and, and, and they got Michael Chiklis playing Red Arbat. Does he really? Okay. He's a, he's a local guy. He knows yeah, what it's it, about. He does a nice job, but it's a caricature. And I wish it was more factual. And, and the, the locations, obviously, it's set in the early 80s, most of these games. And they, Boston Garden is gone, long, long gone. So I don't know what they're using for a stadium. Right. They got a parquet floor. Right. Could be the original. Could be. Out it, yep. But a good, good facsimile. But uh, the guy I feel worst for in this whole thing is Jerry West. Well, I know he's got a lot of issues. I don't know if you heard that he's, he's filed suit against HBO. HBO. Oh, I believe again. So. You know that that his, his, he's been slandered and. Oh well, yeah. And, I mean, they make and, him look like a total nutbag, and, 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 and he has had emotional issues. He admits that. I mean, and HBO is saying that they say right at the beginning that this is a dramatization. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar did a, an op-ed piece for some magazine. I read that. And he is not offended by the the show itself. He's just offended by the the, the one dimension of it all. I'm not going to say run out and watch it because if you if you're looking for an autobiography, read read the book or, right. or, or watch an ESPN. Yep. I think ESPN did uh, something on Magic uh, and the Lakers. I mean, the only thing fun about it is that it goes into that era when sure. we were playing them constantly yep. right. for the championship. But Jerry West, the poor guy. I mean, they make him. Uh, you know, he had emotional issues, and, and it's a fact. He won't even come into Boston. No. He, he just recently said, I, I will avoid Boston. He could offer him a million dollars. He will not come this way anymore. Right. It's just an emotional hang-up the guy has with the team, or with the, with the town. Um, but the, the, I wish they kind of played it more down the middle, you know. Had him, and, and they didn't have a name brand Bird. I wish that was, of all the people, they couldn't find anybody to play Larry Bird. I mean, they got a guy with a little dinky mustache that kind of looks something like him. But yeah. I would just want to say again, if anybody was involved in the marathon, uh, feel free to contact us, Shermchester Gmail. Uh, we'd love to have a running show coming up soon. Get our friend Steve Burris back. Again, Bob okay. will be part of it. And uh, it's always fun. This is, this is It's running season now. It is. You know? So thank you uh, to Roger Brown for Sam Bruno. I'm Sherm Chester inviting you to join us for the next edition of the Seacoast Sports Forum.